0: The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio.
1: This is the Employment Law Show. And let's do this. It is, what, six minutes after 7 o'clock on a Monday evening. Good to have you along. John Scholes here along with John Pincus, partners, Sam mark Tamarkin, LLP. They are still and will be for some time, I would imagine, the most positively reviewed law firm in Canada. Feel free to reach out anytime, 1-855-821-5900. That's to reach John and his crew anytime you would like. Email that we use here on the show as well. And you can use anytime, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the uh, the handy website, built just for you some time ago, rolled into it, the severance pay calculator, which on its own is worth the price of admission, which is nothing. It is free. It's anonymous, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Lots to get through. Phone lines are now open. Give us a call, 416-870-6400. You have employment law concerns uh, with yourself for a job. Maybe it's still a vaccine thing. Maybe it's going back to work. Do you have to go back to work? Can I stay home and work three days a week? It doesn't matter. It's a severance question. That's fine. We're ready to answer them all. John is here and uh, fully loaded and ready to go. 416-870-6400. Don't be bashful. The show, of course, is that much better when you call in and ask your questions because usually your questions are uh, the ones that other people have in their head as well as they listen to the show, so you're helping everybody up, so it's kind of cool in that way. But uh, we'll get to this tonight on the show, everything you need to know about medical leaves. That is on the way, but first, a couple issues, a couple situations, John, you've been dealing with. On your side of things for the, uh, the week that was, brother, how are you?
2: Good. Very busy, as always, and uh, getting ready to talk about some interesting employment law issues. And uh, just to reiterate uh, what you said there, John, yeah, I hope that all our listeners are uh, not shy to call because that's that's what makes this show fun and and interesting is that we get to hear from all of you yeah. and chat about your issues. So uh, talk about a uh, few situations. The first one I want to talk about involves someone who is working for a publishing company uh for about 12 years in its finance department and as she explained to me when she came to me she she had a pretty rough 2021. she had a death in the family uh from COVID-19 uh she and her husband had to try to balance looking after their children with the frequent school closures uh along with work and she's constantly been worried that she's going to be let go due to all the layoffs that have been taking place at the company over the last two weeks you can imagine not not a very good time to be in in publishing. Well, making matters worse, uh, her direct manager had somewhat of a a fractious relationship with her and things more or less came to a head uh, pretty recently. Uh, So during a Zoom call, uh, well, to put it frankly, she snapped. Uh, More to the point, she snapped at her direct superior. And I can tell you there was some profanity involved as well. It was not a great look. Uh, And fortunately, (laughs) the meeting was only between her and her direct superior. But you can imagine he was none too pleased about this. So she's called into a meeting with human resources and she breaks down in tears. She's apologizing profusely, promising never to do it again, and explaining that she's, you know, been in a weakened state. So HR says to her, Well, okay, we're gonna send you home for a couple of days while we complete our investigation. And three days later, terminated for cause, no severance offered. And when I heard this story, I told her, No, this is this is not just cause, this is a wrongful dismissal. Now that, that that's not to say the company did not have the right to terminate her employment. Certainly the company did. The company had the right to terminate her employment for almost any reason. With severance, if they determined this, this was just not someone they wanted on their team anymore, that, that's fine. But again, they have to pay the proper severance. She had a good record. She had a single instance of poor judgment. And most of all, she showed genuine remorse. So she's going to be owed at least 12 months pay here. And that's what we're going to help uh, her get. And so if any employees are listening to this and you may find yourself in a similar situation, Here's the thing I always tell people, uh, you know, when they're called into that meeting with HR, do not try to justify bad behavior. It will not help you. If you're being falsely accused, of course, totally different story. But if you know you're in the wrong and your employer meets you to discuss it, come clean about it. It will help you in the end. It certainly is going to help this person.
1: And again, reaching out to John and his team any time when the show's not on air, that 821 uh, 1-855-821-5900. Always get to our phone calls here on air first before we get to your, uh, your second matter. John, we'll do that after we talk to uh, Jane. Hi, Jane. Good evening.
3: Oh, hi there.
1: Hi. What's, uh, what's your concern?
3: Uh, well, I've been uh, working with a company for about 15 years now uh, in the position of uh, office manager. And um, I'm just about prepared to walk away from my position um, because of um, what I consider to be some workplace harassment and bullying and and, uh, unfavourable conditions in the workplace um, that I've been sort of enduring for the past few years. but I feel that I can't continue on uh, under these circumstances. So I'm I'm prepared to to walk away from my 15 years. But before I do that, I'd like to know if I do have any rights.
2: Well, Jay, to be honest with you, this is this is probably going to be a, a longer conversation. But let me ask you a couple questions here. So, firstly, ha- have you have you made a complaint about this? Uh, yes, harassment? I have. OK, and, yeah. and what was their response to that?
3: Um, not, you know, nothing was done about it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, nothing mm-hmm. was done about it. You know, sorry, we feel sorry you feel this way. It's a very small company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a big uh, corporation or anything like that. So uh, there's right. no HR, you know, there's no HR department, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, very sorry you feel this way um but then nothing nothing changed so it's been three times for sure three times if you know if not more that i have expressed uh how this is affecting me in the workplace mm-hmm.
2: well you, you have to do what, what what you have to do for yourself uh and so if you've decided you're going to leave you you know it, it it may make sense to do that whether or not you have an entitlement to compensation but i certainly would say before you leave please make sure to give us a call because at the very least, what we may be able to do is to help you craft a, you know, I usually don't call them resignation letters because that implies they're voluntary, right? And it's not voluntary. You're leaving because you have to. So sometimes I'll call it an exit letter, right? Or even a termination letter. And we can help you put that together to make sure that you can convey that it's involuntary and the reasons that you're leaving. Um, these, these cases, you know, I won't sugarcoat it for you, Jane. These cases are tough. They're very difficult because you have to show that no reasonable person uh, could have endured what, what you did and that you gave them a chance to address it and that they failed to do so. And that, that can be a complicated exercise. But every, yeah. employee, every employee has a right to a harassment-free work environment. And if it can be shown that an employer didn't provide that, you may have some severance entitlements so my main point to you is before you leave before you send them anything expressing an intention to leave talk to us so that we can make sure that at least you put the best case that can possibly be made uh that you should be entitled to severance
3: okay well that's very helpful and i look forward to speaking with you
2: likewise please do give us a call
1: Jane, appreciate the time uh, taking the phone call tonight, and that goes for everybody else uh, as well. When you have concerns, reaching out afterwards, uh, of course, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That's that goes that well. That speaks to when you're in that type of situation, or any or anything else, I guess. John, with dealing with a, a supervisor, or boss, when things happen in the workplace, it, it's okay if you remember it inside your head, but you got it take contemporaneous notes there and then and have those laud and emails and texts, something so you have a, a history going back if things come to a head where it's a uh, he, should, uh, he said, she said sort of situation, right?
2: That's right. I mean, like I told Jane, these these situations are difficult and, and the no. company, when you leave, is going to say that it's a resignation. So you have to be prepared to, to show why you felt compelled to leave so that a case can be uh, put together uh, that, in fact it uh that it was a, a constructive dismissal and the best way to do that is to show that these things happened that you made these complaints uh mm-hmm. that you memorialized them when they and that when uh the harassment happened that you memorialized when uh they failed to take action and then you submit your you know your quote-unquote resignation in writing so yeah in writing if it's not in writing it doesn't exist
1: Again, 416-870-6400. Do like Jane. Make that phone call. Get some answers right off the top. We still got a, a couple of minutes before we break, brother. What's your uh, what's the other situation you wanted to bring about?
2: So the second situation that I want to talk to you about is a man who runs a commercial cleaning business. And he came to me after his recent contract with a municipality was terminated after 25 years. Now, often the first thing we ask on the show is whether this is someone who should really be treated as an employee. And and that, that was not the case here. This is a person who hired his own subcontractors consistently, set his own hours, and had more or less control over what he did uh, from one day to the next. Now, the catch, he had only one client, and that's the municipality. Well, after 25 years working for one municipality, even though he does not have rights as an employee, he did have rights as a dependent contractor. And dependent contractors have the right same to the same severance as everyone else. No different at all. So this person is going to be entitled to anywhere from twenty to twenty-four months pay, and we're going to get started right away on negotiating a proper severance package after working for this municipality for so long.
1: You know, just just as we take a couple of minutes before the break, I know we're getting into our topic after uh, after the break and more phone calls. But just kind of break down, you know, an independent contractor versus a dependent contractor
2: and the difference there right so we basically have three categories of employees right the first is a regular or of individuals we should say working for a company the first is an employee an employee you know you go in nine to five they have control uh you know they give you the tools to do your job and you're part of an organization and you're in business for them the second is an independent contractor you're in business for yourself you set your own hours you're not subject to their control you make your own investment you, you may hire your own people uh and you you know you wear your own banner the third. Is kind of in between, where you may have your own company, you may have your, you hire your own people, and you may really have control over what you do. So you are a contractor, but all your business is with one particular entity and it's over a sustained period of time and if that's the case um, then you can be a dependent contractor and in fact uh, entitled to severance and so you won't be entitled to things like overtime or you know the minimum wage protections and all those yeah. nice things that you get in the employment standards act but you still get a severance package
1: is there a threshold as far as a dependent contractor say uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm a contractor but I have four or five clients but one of them is provides 60% of my income, 70%. I mean, is there a threshold as far as that's concerned?
2: I usually like to see at least two thirds of someone's work coming from one location. Right. Once it starts to getting towards, you know, 50%, well, that starts to just look like a client, right? So mm-hmm. uh, there, there's there's no set threshold, but um, if, it's, if it's at or around 50%, usually that's not going to be sufficient to be dependent gotcha. contractor. And I like to see at least two thirds.
1: Everything you need to know about medical leaves, that is on the way, and your phone calls. You've got uh, some time to pick up a phone now as we go to a short break. That number, of course, call us, 416-870-6400. We'll continue Monday Night Edition and Blundin Law Show.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio.
1: Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. And welcome back to it. That is the number correct. Use it now, 416-870-6400. John Pincus, of course, from Firu to Mark and LLP is here, partner, and answering all of your questions tonight as we get into our uh, our topic for the remainder of the evening in between your phone calls, of course. Everything you need to know about medical leaves, always an important topic. And a reminder, medical leaves and dealing with an insurance company, that's on our sister's show, the Disability Law Show, and the firm, of course, handling both those aspects of law because there's so much... Intertwined between the two, but we're focusing on the uh, the employment part of it tonight, of course, on this show. Number one, John, how long can somebody be away from work for medical reasons?
2: You know, there's a lot of misconceptions about this because under the Employment Standards Act, there's a there's a set time period, which some oh. people may uh believe means well i can only be out for three days right and and if i'm sick i have to come back in three days or they can terminate me and it's some employers even who, who may not be as familiar with the act uh seem to believe this uh but that it's simply not the case um you are entitled to be away as long as you are being recommended by your physician to stay away from work uh and you know particularly in the environment in, in this environment although you know things are improving we hope and things start to open up but we still have that one guideline that hasn't changed, which is that if you're sick and you may be contagious, you need to stay home. Um, so, if you are someone who is is at at a place where you feel ill and you're getting advice from your doctor to stay home for maybe more than a couple of days, maybe a week, and your employer is saying, "I need you to come back." The the way to respond to that is to get a doctor's note and to show them that you need longer than that because you have rights under the human rights code um, to stay home as long as you need to get better.
1: I think a lot of the confusion stems from that, you know, we'll take, you know, employee A over here and this, this person has along with their holidays and their pay so on and so forth, 10 sick days per year. So they figure that's it. I can only get sick for 10 days of the year. It doesn't matter what sort of ailment it is. It better wrap up within 10 days because I can't stay home any longer. So they're basing it on that, which is also incorrect, right?
2: That's right. So what that's talking about is paid sick days, most often, right? right? So you don't have a right to paid sick days. Now, you may have a right to short-term disability and long-term disability benefits, and that's why you know we have the sister show to talk about that. Mm -hmm. But aside from disability benefits benefits if, if you're if you're, you know, just having a transitory illness that's maybe only a few days, you might have a contractual right, an agreement with your employer that, well, even though I'm sick, I'm gonna be paid for these days. And that's a great thing to have. It doesn't mean that you can only be sick for those days. It just means you're only going to be paid by your employer for those days, after which you've got to apply for sickness EI.
1: Some of this confusing or not, uh, call us, still got time. In fact, we're just getting uh, warmed up with this topic, 416-870-6400. Feel free, got the remainder of the show to do exactly that. So it does uh, does an employer have the right to ask an employee for their medical information and a diagnosis? Because I know this happens uh, within your office all the time, right?
2: Yes, yes and no. Uh, an employer does have the right to ask for medical information. They have the right to get whatever information they need in order to accommodate you right so there's two duties at play here we talk about we talk about the duty of an employer to accommodate and the duty of an employee to cooperate so an employer has to make sure they're doing everything they can to hold your position and to accommodate you for instance maybe a graduated work schedule when you come back and the employee has to give the employer the information to be able to do that and to be able to substantiate why they need that so often they may send you something like a functional abilities form to get information about the nature of your restrictions, what accommodations are um, necessary. They may send you a, a cognitive evaluation form if it's a psychological leave. So they are entitled to some information, but they're not entitled to necessarily the detailed diagnosis of, of what you're suffering from because that's it's very personal and sensitive information, and this is really a need-to-know basis kind of um, analysis.
1: So to boil it down, they can ask for a prognosis as opposed to diagnosis,
2: right? You got it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Again, 416-870-6400, The number talking about everything you need to know about medical leaves. What happens to an employee's job while they're on a medical leave, John? Do they uh, do they have to regularly update their employer of their condition? If so, how often should that take place?
2: As often as possible. Yes, they okay. should be updating their employer. I usually say you know at least every four to six weeks, uh, or you know if your employer asks for more frequently, and you can you can get a note more frequently, even better. Um, Now, that doesn't mean that if you haven't, that your employer can necessarily jump up and say that, uh, oh, you've abandoned your job. Employers make that mistake often and and get burned for it uh, Mm -hmm. in court. But you'd you also don't want to be someone who looks like they just disappeared because that's going to increase the likelihood that your employer is going to take the position that you've abandoned your job. So regularly update your employer. Let them know when your next assessment is. Your doctor should be used to running those kinds of notes or whoever, whatever medical specialist you're seeing. And just make sure you avoid that that kind of allegation from an employer that, oh, you ha- we haven't heard from you in two months, so you must not be interested in working here.
1: Now, as far as, you know, their job while they're on medical leave, I mean, you know, if you flip over to the employer's viewpoint now, it's, you know, this, this, this employee might could be off for two weeks, two months, two years. I don't know, but I've got a position to fill. I need to run my business. So how does that work?
2: Well, the reality is the, the employer has to take steps within reason up to what we call undue hardship to mm-hmm. fill that role temporarily. Now, that might mean dispersing the employee's duties among other employees in the short term. It might mean if it's going to be a longer leave, hiring a temporary replacement. Now, these are the th- these are the reasons why an employer is absolutely entitled to know how long that medical leave is right. expected to be because they're going to have to take different steps depending on how long that's going to be.
1: That's the full circle of diagnosis right and or prognosis mm-hmm. rather so what does uh, what does someone do if they aren't approved for disability coverage we just we, we mentioned the other half of the firm of course their LTD or their claims cut off
2: Well the first thing of course you want to do is you want to speak with Savan or Tamar or one of our disability lawyers or James and and let's get you focused on on getting your coverage uh, do not return to work uh, though if you're not able to work right so you might be getting yeah. a letter uh, from the LTD provider saying, you're not eligible for LTD anymore. And all of a sudden, coincidentally, not so coincidentally, actually, you're getting a letter from your employer saying, you need mm-hmm. to be back at work tomorrow. We know your LTD has been denied. Well, those are two very different situations. And even if you speak to one of our disability lawyers and it turns out you are not entitled to disability coverage under the policy, and there's and you know, and, and for some reason there's nothing we can do for you. Typically there is, but even if there is not something we can do for you there, that does not mean that you all of a sudden have to return to work because it's right. possible for you to not be entitled to disability coverage, but still not be well enough to return to
1: work. 416-870-6400. That is the number to call through and to ask your questions about this topic as we go through this or anything else. We're going to get some most common employment law questions here in just a bit. So uh, flip it back to the employee now. What do they do? They're ready to return to work from medical leave. They're feeling better. They got doctor approval, of course, and they're ready to uh, ready to go. What do they do?
2: going back to what you and I were talking about earlier, do it in writing. Advise your Mm. employer right away and make sure you do it in writing. Get a doctor's note stating that you're fit to return to work. If you have any strict restrictions, if you need any accommodations, make sure that's noted and make sure that's noted in detail. So, you know, week one working, you know, three days, week two, four days, week week three, five days, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe you need, um, you know, not lifting heavy objects if if that's part of your job. Make sure you get that in writing from the doctor and submit it to your employer. And if your employer says no and they uh, they refuse, uh, well, then we got a different situation.
1: Now, returning from that medical leave, I know you and I have discussed uh, this before and I have with Lior. It's different from, say, a paternity leave or a parental leave where you come back after that, you go back to your job. The one that you left, it's got to be there for you regardless of who filled the void. Even if they're better than you at your job that you're away from, legally you have to go back to the same job you, you left when you went on a on uh, parental leave. Now, medical leave is a little different, correct? It doesn't have to That's- necessarily be the exact same gig if it's no longer there.
2: That's right, and or if you can no longer do it, right? So right, sometimes right. Uh, you know you may you may have been in a managerial role, and you may have gotten uh, that may have led to severe anxiety and stress. I've seen this happen, where sometimes you can't do the manager role anymore, you're just not fit to do it, which means you may need to take a lower role, and so you're not getting the same job because you can't do the same job. and if that job that you are able to do happens to have a lower pay, well. That's your new pay. That's part of the accommodation is that they give you a lower job. You take the pay associated with that job.
1: So if I'm an employer and exactly that situation is happening, I've got you coming back from a medical leave, that's fine. But whilst you were away, I did hire somebody to fill that position as we talked about before, and this person was an absolute rock star. They do it so well. I don't want to get rid of them in that position, which was yours previously. I still have to accommodate you with a a similar position, right?
2: Yeah. you ha- if, if you hired someone temporarily and they happen to be better than this person mm-hmm. and you don't bring that person back to work even though they're able to do the job, well, now that's a wrongful dismissal and right. you have some human rights liabilities. So you have to be very, very careful. Very different. An employee asking to go back to their old job and you don't want to return them or they don't want to go back to that old job because they need something different.
1: Well, then how about that? What happens to the employer uh, if the employer won't allow them to return to work, even if they have, uh, you know, their doctor's blessing?
2: If that's the situation, that's the time for an employee to give us a call right away because this is going to be a wrongful dismissal and very well could be a human rights violation under the human rights code as well. So we're going to look at were there any positions or comparable positions available? Was this the situation like you just described, John, where we just like this person better, so we're going to keep this person in the job? Um, is there any accommodation needs that would be undue hardship for the employer to meet? Are you asking for a slightly reduced schedule? Or are you asking for the employer uh, to com- to give you a schedule that completely doesn't align with any of their needs um, and changes every week, right? So it's going to be a question of reasonableness. And that's something that we'll be able to assess with you during our consultation.
1: 416-870-6400, that's the number to call here now and talk to us on air. Ask your questions. You want to follow up afterwards with John and his team, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And 416, uh, pardon me, one 821 5900 want to get some common questions uh, you get asked all the time here in the show and uh, at your office, John. We want to bounce over to an email first. Just came in from uh, from Daniel. It says, hey, John, are commissioned employees entitled to severance?
2: Yes. Short answer. Yes. Commission hmm. employees are entitled to severance. They're entitled to severance the same way everyone else is. Uh, the, tr- the only tricky thing with commission employees is, of course, your salaries, for, not your salary, your earnings, are, I should say, are variable. And therefore, we have to look at what you were earning historically in order to figure out what you're earning. Uh, what you're going to be entitled to severance. So usually we're looking at past years, maybe the last three or five years of your T4 statements. And that's the entitlement that, that's going to be your severance. You do not lose the severance just because you're commissioned.
1: So you take those three or four years past earnings, get an average and, and work out through how much time they're from there and how much the dollar amount would be
2: at that point. Yes, that's typically what we do, unless uh-huh. there's some huge outlier, right? So if, if one year you earned 10 times the amount you earned in past years because there was this once-in-a-lifetime deal, well, that's probably not going to form part of the average because we're trying to project what you would have earned if they'd kept you on. Uh, but outside of that, the way the law typically deals with this is they say, well, we use the average, we kick out the outliers, uh, and that's that's what we're going to base the uh, severance entitlement on.
1: Lori's email's great. She says, uh, I was just terminated after working only three months on a fixed-term contract that was supposed to last a year. Am I entitled to any severance?
2: Well, the first question I'm going to have, Lori, is what does it say in that contract about early termination? Because it may have a clause. Typically, these contracts do have a clause about early termination. And I'm going to be able to determine in only a couple minutes whether that termination clause is going to stand. And if it does not stand, well, guess what? You're now entitled to the balance of that fixed term contract. So not only are you going to be entitled to severance, but you are going to be entitled to nine months severance in that case, even though you've only worked for three months. So send us over that contract. Let's have a look at it and let's see if we can get you the, the balance of what you uh, what you're owed here.
1: No specific theme or title for the remainder of these questions. They're just very common law questions you put together, John, because you get these all the time on the phone and email, etc. When you're uh, when you're at the office, of course. Number one is I didn't do anything wrong. Can my employer terminate my employment?
2: Yes, they can. Uh, an employer can terminate your employment for any reason. Uh, They can terminate your employment because they didn't like the color of hat uh, you wore. They can terminate your employment because you like a different hockey team than them, uh, but they have to pay the proper severance. So you think about that example I gave at the top of the hour, right? We had someone who blew up in a meeting um, and apologized for it. Can the employer terminate her employment? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did they have cause for dismissal? No, they didn't, which means that they have to pay uh, the severance. Now, remember, an employer can easily just assert just cause, right? You You can't stop them from doing it just like you can't stop them from terminating your employment. But what we can do as employment lawyers is we can help you to seek compensation for that.
1: Anything outside of human rights violation, of course.
2: Hmm, that's right. So, uh, so that's why I say almost any reason. Uh, yeah. If they do it because uh, uh, you're coming back from a maternity or paternity leave, that's a no-no. If they do it because you tried to enforce an overtime claim under the Employment Standards Act, that's a big no-no. So there are statutory limits to what they can do, but usually we're just talking about, hey, is the severance enough here or not?
1: Calling now here, we've still got some time, 416-870-6400, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Back to uh, Employment Law 101, John, how much severance
2: should I get? Well, the nice thing about that is we've got a great source for you to go to. You mentioned it at the top of the hour. One of those sites is severancepaycalculator.com, and we've also got the pocket employment lawyer. Uh, So we're going to look at your age, your position, your years of service, your rate of compensation, and anything that may prevent you Uh, from finding a job. So for instance, one thing the law looks at is, were you let go during COVID? If you were let go during the height of COVID um, and uh, that had an impact on your ability to find a new job, you might be entitled to more severance. If you were pregnant, if you were disabled, anything that is going to cause you to take longer than the average person to find a new job is going to increase the severance entitlement. So start with the severance pay calculator, then give us a call and we can talk about what you're owed.
1: Yeah, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, as John mentioned, is the other route to uh, not only find the severance pay calculator, but so many other things. In the world of employment law, you can learn just with a couple minutes, it's all absolutely free, it's anonymous with the severance pay calculator. is, by the way, absolutely correct. Uh, You know, probably a million people have used this thing by now, it's been around for years, it is not faulty, the number that gets spit out the bottom is actually true. So don't trust the, uh, you know, the government website or your, your neighbor, Steve, because they're wrong. Always uh, go to the severance pay calculator. I have to accept a severance offer by a certain date. They've all got deadlines on them, John. What should I do with it?
2: Well, give us a call is a good place to start, right? Uh, oh. But don't panic, right? A lot of people panic. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? Every termination letter has a deadline. Now, remember the reason for that deadline is... It's not because they're being generous. It's not because they're offering this out of the goodness of their heart, and all of a sudden they're gonna they're gonna flip uh, their uh, their emotions completely and 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 take it away. The reason for that deadline is because they want you to sign the release. They want to get a deal. The deadline only matters if you're going to accept the severance offer. And chances are the severance offer is probably not uh, adequate because most severance offers are not. So speak to us right away. We'll tell you right away if you have to worry about that deadline, and chances are you don't.
1: Yeah, you have up to two years, right? Not that you would ever take that long, because most of us can't be penniless for two years, but you have two years if you decide to exercise that particular
2: right, huh? That's right. That's the limitation period, two years from the date that yeah. you were let go. So that's that's how long your entitlements are alive.
1: Get to a, another emails are coming in. This one from Asaf. He says, I've been accused of harassing a coworker, and I'm worried my employer will
2: terminate me for cause. What should I do? Well, the first thing I always ask people in these situations is, did you do it? You know, were you accused? Were you, uh, are you being wrongfully accused? Um, The first thing that you're going to do is, you know, you're going to ask to respond to the allegations and hopefully there's going to be an investigation meeting either with your owner or the manager or the HR person, depending on the size of the organization. And when you have that meeting, and I cannot emphasize this enough, it sounds trite to say, but you have to remember this, tell the truth. Tell the truth, yep. right? And if the truth is that you were not doing these things, then come with support. If you've got witnesses, if you've got emails that contradict it, then uh, come ready with that and make sure that you are prepared to respond. But don't guess because if you guess, if you if you kind of flounder about things, well, maybe I'm not sure, uh, tell the truth and uh, that way your employer is not going to be able to use it against you later. And if you are terminated for cause, I can't stop the employer from doing that Nobody can. But what we can do is we can help CP compensation until you can find your next job.
1: Talking about some uh, very common questions that John gets in the office every day and on uh, phone calls, etc., emails like the ones we're reading tonight. This one is, is huge as while well. My employer has or is trying to make significant changes to my job. It could be uh, rate of pay. It could be hours. It could be work locations, so on and so forth. What can I do about it?
2: And can well, they the do fir- it? Right. Well, the first thing we want to, to know is, have you agreed to it, right? Has, mm-hmm. Is there an employment contract that says they can do it? Because sometimes your employment contract says that, which, by the way, is another reason you really need to look over those employment contracts with an employment lawyer before you start. Some changes are so significant, if they're not in your employment contract, you can treat it as a, a, as a constructive dismissal and seek a severance package. So one of those things is, uh, you know, if you're forced to transfer across the country, um, if there's a demotion, particularly if if there's a degrading aspect of the motion, if you're if you're losing prestige in the organization or a major responsibility, uh, if there's been ch- significant change in your hours, um, that can be a constructive dismissal. But constructive dismissals should never be dealt with on your own. They are difficult and they require legal advice. Right, like we were talking with Jane er- earlier uh, in the hour. Um, mm-hmm. If you believe that you're you're in a, a poison work environment. Don't try and deal with that on your own if you're at the point of leaving. Before you leave, before you send out that uh, resignation or termination letter, make sure you speak with us so you can do it the right way and so that we can tell you the likelihood that it actually is a constructive dismissal.
1: You know, it's interesting. You mentioned one in there. If you know the change of job, where it's uh, you know lesser prestige, it's got less prestigious title to it. But how about and that situation comes about all the time, where the person's job has been changed, but their employer say, "No, we're not touching your salary. You're still going to make the same money." Would that still qualify because of the, the prestige angle?
2: It it, it would, and you know, the we're not touching your salary is always the defense the employer makes, right? They'll say, and and even you'll I'll I'll see this a lot of times in communications where I'll say, hey, we're we're demoting your role, you know, we're taking you from a a a manager to a you know the lowest level person in the organization, but don't worry, you're going to get the same pay, so it's not a demotion. And what the court says is, well, that's not really what demotions are. Demotions mean you're taking them from a higher position and putting them in a lower position, and if they haven't agreed to do that. That is a fundamental change, and that's going to amount, in most cases, to a constructive dismissal, and it does not require change in pay.
1: Let's get uh, Kim's email here, by the way, anytime, not just during the show or otherwise, help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email uh, address to reach out to John and his team. Kim says, I was laid off in March 2020, and my employer never recalled me. Is there anything I can do? Ooh.
2: Absolutely, there is something you can do. Kim, give us a call. Uh, don't wait about this uh, because uh, you know there is going to be a limitation deadline that eventually is going to creep up on you. Um, you want to give us a call so that we can pursue a constructive dismissal case for you um and uh, at this point it's looking like it may not be a constructive dismissal case anymore it may simply be a termination and if okay. it's a termination because if, if they're not going to recall you at all uh then we look at you know same things we always look at age position years of service anything that impeded your ability to find a new job like COVID, for example, um, and look at how much severance you're going to be entitled to. So, Kim, please give us a call right away. Let's get started on that.
1: And like so many other things in employment law, and disability law, for that matter, that two-year limitations at play, she said March 2020, so it could be a matter of days. So she needs to reach out now to see, right?
2: she should reach out now now if 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 you miss that time period then still give us a call because um there there are different considerations in COVID for for limitation periods so you know if anyone's listening and their your two-year period has already passed you should still give us a call absolutely so we can Mm -hmm. pursue your entitlements uh but do not let if you can help it do not let that two-year uh timeline go by give us a call before that happens
1: I'll give Jason the last minute of the show to answer this one. Uh, John, my dad was just told he has to retire next year when he turns 65. Is this right? Is this legal?
2: No, it is not legal, not in the province of Ontario. and In fact, hasn't been legal for almost two decades now. Uh, that is going to be a, a human rights uh, violation. And depending how much they offer him for severance, uh, or if they offer him severance, a wrongful dismissal as well. Not mandatory retirement, big no-no. That employer should know better.
1: And that is the way we're going to wrap this sucker up for tonight. We're back in here Wednesday evening as well. And of course, the weekend shows to reach out to John and his team. Simple, 1 855 821 5900, the email address we've been using all show and every show. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And that website, free, anonymous, full of information. Severance Pay Calculator as well. It's a good one. Check it out called Pocket Employment Lawyer.ca. Stick around, though. We're coming right back. On point continues with our good pal, Arlene Beinan, next.